This is the best, most fun I have ever, ever, ever had on a podcast. This is a hit. I'm Jesse Cole, your host of Business Done Differently, where we get to meet successful people who look at business differently, and we get to know them in a different way. What I need to do some days is just literally break through the wall and say, you know what, the worst thing that's going to happen is I'm going to fail or not be successful, but the best thing that's going to happen is I'm going to be successful. You know, treat your mind and your heart like a muscle. Today's guest is Christopher J. Worth. Chris is the founder and president of No Quit Living and is a speaker, coach, and host of the No Quit Living podcast, which has been rated as a top 50 business podcast on iTunes. Previously, Christopher was a top-level basketball coach in AAU, high school, and college, and has now taken his coaching to the next level in the business world. Now, we were connected by one of my previous guests, Jeffrey Shaw, whose episode is one of the most popular on Business Done Differently. Jeffrey, Jeffrey said, we have to connect. And in Jeffrey, I trust. So I began listening to your podcast, Chris, and I was blown away. So now I am pumped to welcome you to Business Done Differently. I appreciate it, man. It's such an honor to be here. And I, I love the opportunity. I love what you do. And I think it's just great. And you definitely had your yellow tux on today, which is awesome. <laughs> I always have it on. It's it's my uniform. It means it's showtime. But let, let's make it showtime with you right now. I'm excited for our first segment, Start Me Up. And I want to go back to your coaching days. Now, Christopher, you probably don't know this, but we have a lot in common. I actually coached AAU high school and college, but baseball. And I see so many similarities between coaching and sports versus coaching in the business world. So I'd love to hear about you, how you got into coaching and now how it's impacted you in business. It's a very, very probably common story, but I loved basketball growing up, basketball wacko. Uh, but being 5'11", white guy, uh, my basketball career peaked in the high school and Division three college ranks. And I started coaching during the summer when I was in college. I had an AAU team. I was extremely fortunate to have one of the top teams locally in the Connecticut, New York, uh, Massachusetts area. And we just had some great kids. And it kind of put me on the map with some very high-end college coaches that were recruiting my players. And I got the bug. And I realized that as much as I'd like to play, I almost – it almost happened just by chance where I realized that I loved coaching the kids and I loved connecting with them. And lo and behold, over my AU career, I had, I think, 20 to 25 kids that went on to play Division One, either college basketball or football. I had two kids play professional basketball and two kids end up playing in the NFL, which is, is not a credit towards me. I had some great kids. But my point is that I realized that I loved coaching people in the sense of the kids and connecting with them, not only on the court, but off the court. And to this day, many of those kids in their late 20s, early mid 30s, and I still have relationships with them and their families, which is awesome. But to your point, the coaching concept is is similar in so many fields, whether it's personal business, executive coaching, sports. And the thing that we focus on at No Quit Living is accountability. And accountability is one of our main staples of what we do. And I think business, life, and sports, that's the biggest thing that we've seen the overlap is, is the accountability. Whether you're a top business executive or entrepreneur, you're a top college or professional coach, or you're a top athlete, is you hold yourself to a higher level of accountability than anybody else does. Mm, I love that. And I actually want to go into that because you know I feel there's challenges now for leaders, business owners, 
to not only hold themselves accountable, but to hold other people accountable. But yet in coaching, Chris, I remember like if someone didn't do something, they were running. I mean, I the amount of suicides that I did on the basketball court <laughs> and the amount of polls that I did, I mean, y- you got punished. And it's interesting because I, I don't know if I want to go into this, but with accountability, before going into self-accountability, how are you seeing great business leaders holding their people accountable similar to a coach? You know, it's, that's a great question. And I get Ask that quite often in different in different ways, but I think it comes down to the we versus the me mentality. And I think the best businesses out there, the best entrepreneurs, the best leaders in business worlds, they understand that they need to connect with their employees. And I think they take themselves almost and put themselves in in the seats of their employees and say, "How do I connect with them? How do I buy into them?" And I find a lot of companies that are successful, but not ultimately successful to the highest level, I think where they miss the boat a little bit is they don't connect with the employees to the to the extent of this is why we are doing it together. It's more of the me mentality downwards. And I think the great teams, the great companies, the great organizations, the lowest level employee or the first employee all the way up to the top, they realize that they're in it for something bigger than them, for something better than them. But they also realize that and they feel that they play an important role. And I think that's the big thing on the basketball court as well as the business world is I try to make sure that every single kid or every team I coach, whether you were the first guy or you were the last guy on the bench, is you knew that you were an intricate part of this team. And and I would be lying if I said it's easy to do all the time because it's not. But the reality is in the basketball court, similar to the baseball field, is is you need those guys for every practice. You need those guys that they might need to get on base or they might need to pinch run or, you know, a guy two or three guys get in foul trouble, all of a sudden that 10th, 11th guy that doesn't play much, he's got to know that, all right, you got to step up a little bit. And I think that's the same component in the business world is a salesperson obviously has a sales job, but it might be that IT person that all of a sudden has to step up big time. And all of a sudden that might be the difference of getting that big client or the big deal or not. And I think there's just so much similarities into the accountability piece is you need to make sure that your team, your company, your organization, they all buy in it together and they think that they're working on it together as opposed to, well, I'm just working for the CEO or I'm just working for a stock price. And I think that's really the difference of an average company versus a good company and then a good company versus the best. Yeah. You know, there was a great kids book that Simon Sinek wrote, Together is Better. And, uh, you know, I think it's so important what you said, you got to make everyone feel like they're a part of the team and they play a bigger role in meaning and purpose. And great coaches in the sports field do that. But you think about it in the business world, A, connecting with employees. You said that you got to understand every employee is different. A great coach, the John Woodens back in the day, they knew they could get on one player like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but another player they couldn't. They had to speak to them in a different level. Yet I feel, Chris, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, that very few owners know to speak to their people in a different way. They are the same way always, and some employees won't respond like that. No, I, it's funny you mentioned that. I was just talking about that last week with a company and that is the biggest disconnect I feel where in sports like you said is you you know you can smack a kid on the back and you know you know get up like do it you know you got to do this and that works perfect you do it to another kid and all of a sudden he shuts down and you know he might be play his worst game ever but it's the same way in the business world where if if I'm your boss or I'm your mentor and I say look this is the way you have to do it you might totally connect with that as opposed to somebody else you might have to sit down and say hey but that's also good leadership is is it's a listening component and knowing that if you have a team of 10 or if you have a team of 20, you have to realize and understand. But the other po- component I think that people miss on the leadership side is you have to be willing to connect with those people. And it doesn't mean spend 
20 hours with every single employee every other week, but it means like, okay, you know, John connects this way and Chris connects that way and Bill connects this way. And I think if you spend more time as a company on some of those relationships, the re- end results are, are unlimited, uh, unlimited with what you can do. Mm. We had a previous guest, Darren Ross, the COO of Magic Castle Hotel, one of the top rated hotels in LA. And he said, you need to listen carefully and respond creatively. And that's the same thing with employees. And one of your previous guests, John Broman, he keeps an index card of the three of the biggest goals of the eight closest people in his life. And you think about that, we do one word with our staff and we keep track of what people's word for the year is, the word they want to focus on. And we know that and we understand that. And it's different for everyone else. And I think, you know, that understanding taking time to get awesome. To know I people. think so many people yeah. so many people miss the boat when when you don't realize that you need to connect. And, and John's a great guy. And I don't know if I knew that he kept index cards. I knew he had keep tracks of it, but that's that's amazing that he keeps to that level because when he connects with people, it's such a different concept and relationship where you say, hey, you know, how are you doing with you know your weight loss? Or hey, have you uh, saved enough money for that down payment? Talk about connecting with someone. That's just that's really awesome. Oh, 100%. Like we know when our, we have young millennials on our staff and we, some of them are getting ready to propose and they're saving money for rings and trying to get a house. And it's like, hey, holding them accountable. How are you, It's not just about holding them accountable on their business, but holding them accountable in their personal life. And that'll make a bigger difference. So I, I love where you're going with that. And I want to go into a little bit. Obviously, Chris, the show Business Done Differently. Your concept, no quit living, is a different concept. But if we call this segment different strokes, you know, how overall are you looking at business differently? You know, I think the big focus that that we have is is, and it's not so much different per se, but it's just taking a little different spin. Is we find and we realize and we see that there's so much negativity out there, mm. and in social media and media in general, and even in business and in life and personal relationships. So what we try to do is we try to look at it. And how do we motivate and inspire people to keep going? So whether we're working with businesses or companies, college teams or individuals, we want to connect with them in the sense of, okay, what is going to motivate you? What is going to inspire you? And it goes a little bit back to what you said before about leaders needing to understand that different people connect different differently and different people relate to certain things. And the one thing that we try to do is we try to tie a goal or an organization's goal or business's goal or, or a company's goal we try to tie that individually to each person. Now, you need to have guides and guidelines from bosses and managers, whether it's a stock price or, or sales or ultimate bottom line. But then we try to take it a step further and connect individually with each employee saying, do you understand why they're going after this? And do you understand how important your role is IT or sales or whatnot? And when you do that, it just aligns people back to what I said earlier. It really comes down to the difference of you know, me versus we. And I think when people realize and fully understand, but then can tie their own daily actions and what they're doing to a bigger goal and to a team goal, like I said, that's the difference of a good company or team versus a great versus the best. Mm, I love that. And the me versus we, you know, I've talked to both of us talked to so many successful people. And most people start with the focus on me when they first come up, they're going in business, it's their money, it's their drive, it's their position. But then the ones that really make a difference shift to we and the sooner they shift to we and a focus on impact, the quicker their success happens. Oh, I think it, it's, it's almost like a snowball effect after that is when someone says, okay, I understand, I'm fully in it, let's go. It's literally like night and day when the result and it's back to the law of attraction where all of a sudden things just continually happen when you're really focused on the, the we versus the me. You know, I want to go into that you inspire people to keep going. I think, you know, you look at all the different statistics, like over 90% of people, they fail on their New Year's resolutions and people start something for five days and then they quit. You know, you're seeing this every day when you're out speaking, working with groups. 
Are there any practical tips or stories that you could share of how you've inspired people to keep going? We have like seven hours, I think. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let's give a short one. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know, it's interesting that, that you touch on that. But the second question I ask on, on every podcast is to share, hmm. have my guests share their no quit story yeah. or their story when they could have given up or given in and they didn't. And, and I could, I'd be lying if I said I could share one or two because there's so many amazing ones. But I've had people on my show that literally have fought suicide and death and cancer and all these amazingly difficult things, but they're on the show and they're still going. So the inspiration component is I have a goal every single day is when I go to bed at night is I ask myself a very specific question. I said, did I help and did I motivate and inspire somebody to keep going? And if I can say yes to the answer, it's a great day. Now, I'd be lying if I said every single day, you know, I wake up and go to bed and there's nothing that happens because life, life is challenging. But what I try to do with my show and I try to do on my speaking and I try to cater each and every speaking event to the actual audiences, I'll try to tie a story to them and I'll try to tie something that makes sense. So, so one story that stands out is last week I spoke at a pretty large real estate convention and I had Michael J. Mayer on my show early on who wrote The Seven Levels of Communication. He's a huge real estate uh, – excuse me. He's huge in the real estate world, very successful himself. And he was on my show and he said something to me. It was about giving up versus, versus stopping and pausing. And I've shared this so many times. Is he said, Chris, it is perfectly okay to stop, to reassess where you are and to maybe take a different angle or to take a different approach. But then he said, he said, but it's not okay to give up. So you can stop, you can reassess where you are, you can maybe take a different approach or maybe ask a different mentor and get somebody else's help. But he said you can never give up. And the way he said it and how he said it within his story was just amazing. And and the reason I share that is, is I spoke about that specifically at the real estate convention because it's A, somebody that they knew being in the real estate world, but B, it was something that I think everybody in the sales world encounters. It's that time, it's that day, it's that week, that month where you say, you know what? I think I'm at the point where I'm, I'm going to give up. And what I tell people at that point is take some time, grab a piece of paper, either journal, draw, and think about where you are. Think about why you want to do this and then come up with a different angle or a different approach, but just don't give up. And, and you don't necessarily have to have the answer. You know, I think everyone says, I'm going to start this new job, this new adventure, and I need, I need to be here by this certain date. And you know this, I mean, as much as anyone, when you start your podcast, which becomes such a successful podcast, I'm sure... In the first month or two, you didn't hear a ton from a lot of people. Is that correct? Oh, I, not only that, but but I felt like I was just going in circles because you're figuring this out, figuring that out. But <laughs> no, you're right. It's it's almost like the first I, – I said it was about six weeks when things kind of started to click and then you started to hear things. But I think you're spot on as people start something, do something, and it's almost that instant gratification. And if it doesn't happen, it's kind of like, well, maybe I'm not I'm not doing the right thing and I'm saying – no, you've been doing this for four hours, pal. You got to, you know, a little more than four hours. You know, Tony Robbins says progress is everything. And that leads to momentum. And once you have momentum, you keep going. And, you know, it's just if you look at every day, it's like, hey, maybe I didn't get thousands of downloads, but I made progress. And every day I learned something. And again, I think that's the inspire people to keep going. You know, I get asked that, you know, you put things out every single day and sometimes you don't get any comments or any likes. Well, I go, it's not about that. You know, it's just to continue to do it. And, you know, I love your message. And I, I think one thing that I took out of it too is one degree of greatness you've talked about. Can you share that a little bit? Yeah, no, it's uh, so there's two things about that. It's it's it goes back to everybody talks about or is familiar with the adage or the concept of six degrees of separation mm. in today's day and age. I believe that you're one degree separated, but you're also one degree 
to your greatness. And, and it sounds simplistic and easy and it's really not complicated. But what I like to do with my clients and at the speaking events is I like to break it down into bite-sized pieces. But what happens is people look at the ultimate end goal and it becomes paralysis by analysis. So mm. for example, if, if you're trying to lose 40 pounds and you look at it and say 40 pounds, 40 pounds, it's pretty daunting. And you say, oh, you know, it's going to be too hard. But what I, what I say is let's look at it from a one degree. Let's look at it from a bite-sized piece. And what that means is let's lose that first pound, the first five pounds, that first 10 pounds. And all of a sudden you realize by taking that one degree shift, you're now two pounds in, five pounds in, 10 pounds in, and you're breaking it down into bite-sized pieces. And you can literally be one degree away from your greatness. And when I say your greatness, what I reference is whatever your greatness is, I can't tell you what your greatness is or you can't tell me. Now we might have ideas and suggestions and it's great to look, listen to people and have mentors, but what people don't realize is and you go back to your comment before about New Year's resolutions. I've heard so many statistics and so many amazingly things that sound good, <laughs> bad. But Tony Robbins talks about that by January 15th, I believe 85 to 90 percent of resolutions have either been given up on or completely broken. Mm. And the reason I, I believe personally, I'm not an expert in resolutions in any way, shape or form. But the reason I think resolutions don't work is people set them typically December 30th, the 31st, a lot of people set them January 1st or 2nd. <laughs> and it's this, it's this huge goal. It's this huge thing. And again, they look at it as that bite-sized huge piece and it becomes paralysis by analysis. What mm. they should do then is say, okay, if I want to lose 40 pounds end of the year, I want to lose five pounds or six pounds in the first month. Mm. And if you break that down, you're not going to give up by January 15th. But when you say 40, 40, 40, by January 3rd, you're like, nah, I'll do it next year. Yeah. And sometimes you don't even need to focus on the outcome. You know, I heard that you get up at 4 a.m. and do your workouts. Is that correct? Uh, I typically get up like 3.30 because I get to the gym by 4. <laughs> All right. I thought my 5 a.m. workouts were crazy. You're uh, completely crazy and I love it. But it's not necessarily – I bet you don't have like this, <laughs> this whole outcome of how much weight you're going to lose or percentage body fat. But you cross off the list that you worked out today. For me, it's a check mark. I work out every morning. I don't focus necessarily on the outcome. It's just a small step. And and I want to go into this, Christopher, because I love this. This is a segment, Insta quote. I usually do deets of the tweet, but now I'm going to do Insta quote because you put some great quotes on your Instagram. And you wrote, this is a famous quote, sometimes the smallest step in the right direction ends up being the biggest step of your life. Tiptoe if you must, but take the step. And I talk in my book, Find Your All Talks, I talk about these small steps. I'd love to know other than maybe getting up at 3.30 every morning, how else are you implementing these small steps in your life? You know, you touched on something before. I'm a big check mark guy myself. I have a daily two-page uh, accountability sheet that I use. I give it to my clients, give it to a lot of prospects. And what I do is I write down the things that are the most important for me to do during the day. And I also have certain things that I want to do every day. I've got three great kids. I like to do my reading, my affirmations, my journaling. I like to do all my different things. But for me, the reason I think why I've been successful in certain areas is I, I like those check marks. I like to know that, okay, I accomplished this. And you talked about Tony Robbins and the concept of momentum. I firmly believe that if you start your day off the right way and then during the day you have little successes along the way, it's those four, five, six, seven, eight little successes that equal one giant success but then you go to bed that night feeling excited, feeling anticipated, leading into the next day. And I know personally, when I have those good days and I get a lot of stuff done on little things and big things, I just I go into the next day feeling that much better. And then the trade-off is when I get distracted or I don't stay focused or disciplined, I end up feeling that I didn't have a, my best day at night. But what I try to do is then by 
setting up my next day is I try to say, look at it from the perspective of, okay, where are the areas that I can improve on? So for me, it's all the little things done really well. And you mentioned John Wood, and I had the opportunity in 2005 to have dinner, my uh, parents, myself and I, with John Wooden uh, at a restaurant. And then at the end, he asked us to go back to his house. And that was one of the most amazing nights I've ever had. But he talked about some of those little things. And, and if anyone of your, of your listeners know about John Wooden, John Wooden is still to this day considered one of, if not the greatest coaches of all time, not just basketball or college, but in general. And I'm not saying that because that's not my job or place to say that. But he started practice every year teaching his players how to put on their socks and how to put on their shoes the right way. And it sounds ridiculous because, as you mentioned, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Walton, I mean, he had some of the some of the best players of all time. But his focus was the reason he did that is he didn't want any of his players to get blisters. So at any point in the game, they're not going to be thinking about a blister or thinking about their foot hurting as opposed to mm. doing their job. And it's it's those little things each and every day that lead to those big successes down the road. Mm, I love that. Yeah, I, I taught people how to tie their shoes. College kids had to tie their shoes. I remember hearing that story. And you asked the question on your show, uh, you know, if you could have dinner with anyone dead or alive, I bet you a lot of people would have said John Wooden. And you got to actually have dinner and spend time with John Wooden. Was there anything else? I, I don't want to just, I will get into some fun games and everything, but is there anything else that you took from that dinner that you just noticed about him? Maybe not his stories, but the way he conducted himself and carried himself. You know, I'll, I have two two things. My my mother, who was at that dinner, was not an athlete as far as playing on teams. But halfway during the dinner, she's calling him coach, coach. And it's interesting because he connects with people. I believe he was 93 when we had or 94 when we had dinner. And wow. if you closed your eyes and listened to him and if I said to you that he was 59 or 60, you would believe it because he was so amazingly connected. And he talked about stories and he talked about poems and he talked about TV shows and movies and and I'll share one very quick story. I'm a movie wacko and my favorite movie of all time is A Few Good Men. I can recite the end, middle. People hate watching the movie with me because literally a minute into it, I just basically go through the whole movie <laughs> and he was talking about movies and my parents knew that I was going to ask him and I said to him, I said, hey coach, I said, have you ever seen A Few Good Men? And he looked at me, he said, yeah, Chris, he said, that's, he said, it's on TV quite often. He said, very, very good movie. He said, great cast. Then we started talking and then the subject changed and about five minutes later, he looked over at me and he grabbed my forearm and he said, Chris, and, I, and he startled me. I looked at him and, and he pointed at me and he said, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> um, and I was just blown away because this guy was 94, or 95 and he's reciting a line from my favorite movie, but just showed. And he said one thing is he said, Chris, he said, my body's giving up on me. He said, I'm, I'm still, I'm not able to do what I want. He said, but my mind is incredibly sharp because each and every day I work at it. And I just, just remember him saying, that and he said it to me not from a bragging way but he, he really believed it and and it was just amazing the time we got to spend with him oh i love that you know treat your mind and your heart like a muscle you know if you're working out your body every single morning how else are you work in your mind and your heart and reading learning and gratitude and positivity man i love this it sounds like i it took a lot from that you're, you're definitely giving that every day i want to go to a few games get a little know you a little more personal so our first is truth and dare just do it. What would you like first? <laughs> um, it sounds like a college uh, college days it here. Could be. Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go with truth. All right, truth. And you know we have to do both because the game is truth and dare. <laughs> so uh, we'll start with truth. All right. So you know you've got this amazing positivity mindset every day. You've got your check marks. You surround yourself with great people. But what is still holding you back right now from success? 
You know, I think it's it's the fear of the unknown. And you mentioned something before about podcasts in the first couple of weeks is for me, it's the fear of the unknown. So getting into the podcast world and getting into professional speaking, for me, I think it's my fear. And I don't want to say it's holding me back from not doing it. But I think what I need to do some days is just literally break through the wall and say, you know what, worst thing is going to happen is I'm going to fail or not be successful. But the best thing that's going to happen is I'm going to be successful. So for me, sometimes I just need to almost turn up that that focus and say, all right, forget the distractions. Who cares if you fail? Keep going. I love that. One of your, one of both of our previous guests, Steve Sims, says, treat failure as discovery. What did you discover today? So when you look at failure that way, that can help. And I just did a video a couple of weeks ago, embrace the uncertainty. We don't know all the answers, but you know what? It's part of the journey and the process. So I hear that a lot, Chris. That's a fear of the unknown and of loss and failure is one of the biggest things that are holding people back. All right, you ready for the dare? All right, we're ready here. All right, it, we're going to a game that we do at all Savannah Bananas games. It is called Sing in the Blank, where we play uh. a song and two people facing each other in the microphone have to finish those song lyrics. This song is actually fitting your lifestyle. Are you mentally prepared? Uh, I hope so. All right, so you have to finish that song lyric. Here we go. <laughs> Tiger, and I don't know the rest after that. <laughs> like, all right, you got the first part. I was hoping you'd go with the whole chorus and just keep going, but uh, uh, no, I will give you an eight, eight out of ten on that one. But no, you got it. That's good. You would win. The crowd would be joining. Four thousand people would be joining you right now, singing that song. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's not to cut you off, but that's one of those things where if there's a crowd around, you just have to get the first three or four words and then let everybody else jump in. <laughs> it's funny. You know, we've done that actually. We actually had half the crowd, 2,000 fans versus the other half. And it was the loudest the stadium I've ever seen. I think they were singing like a Miley Cyrus song, Party in the USA. It was very weird. But thank you. You, <laughs> you definitely passed the truth of dare. All right. All right. Now, marketing minute. So just one minute, one sentence potentially. But what's the best thing you've done to grow your brand? Try to connect and build on relationships as opposed to results. All right. You got to give me at least another follow up on that. How, yep. how are you able to because everyone says relationships, relationships, human connection, but most people aren't, aren't good at it. How are you able to do that? Well, so it comes back to a couple of things I touched on the me versus we. So what I try to do at that point is when I'm connecting with somebody for the first time is ask a very specific question. How, how can I help you? And Jeff Woods, who has the one thing podcast, was a guest on my show. Unbelievable guy. But he talks about the one thing, the most important thing, and, and he literally called me out on my own show and he said to me, Chris, what is the one thing, what is the most important thing I could help you with right now? And I answered him immediately because it was a very good question. It was right early on in the beginning. And since then, I've flipped the script on myself when I'm trying to talk and connect with people. So I would say to you, for example, okay, how can I help you? Jesse, what is the one thing or the most important thing right now today that I could help you with? And, and obviously, if it's something ridiculous, like I need a million dollars by 12 o'clock, uh, you know, I mean, I'd say, Jesse, that's good luck. We should go play the lottery. But typically, it's something else like I'm trying to get to this person or do you know anybody at this company or do you have any suggestions? And when you try to deliver first and you honestly really try to help that person, it comes back to you. And I don't talk about politics or religion on my show because you could start World War 12. <laughs> but what I do talk about is karma. So that's what I try to do is really connect with people and make an effort and say, okay, you know what? I'd like to connect with this person. Mm. 
I love that. That's amazing. And actually, a tremendous segue to our next game, Flip the Script. All right, but you're not – here's I'm, – I'm putting a covet to this. So caveat to this. So you are now the host of Business Done Differently, and you can ask me one question. But the question cannot be, how can I help you right now? All right, so that cannot be the question. <laughs> uh, but no, it's, it's a great question. But before we get into this segment, I think it's so tough because a lot of people ask that, but they don't even have the real intention to help or – they don't even know really how they can help. I think that is that is a challenging question, which maybe we can dive into later. But you're the host of Flip the Script. One question, my friend. I would ask you if you were starting your show again right now, but you knew absolutely everything you know today, what would be the one thing that you would do differently? Ooh, great question. If I was starting my podcast now, simplify it. I would. I love the idea of the podcast, How I Built This. It's one question, one story broken down. I would simplify it. I am just such an unbelievably curious person <laughs> that I want to find out so many answers. But I would try to figure out how can I ask one question and make the show just one question. You know what? I may do that as well at some point. No, that's, that's, uh, that's awesome. And I think I would probably do the same thing as the simplification of it because I find myself trying to do a lot and sometimes too much at once. Mm, I love that. All right. I'm going ch- to challenge you here now with question time. And you just gave a great example, but I'm going to look for another one. If you want better answers in business, you need to ask better questions. What are some of the other great questions you're asking other than how can I help you? Great question. And I was had the privilege of knowing and being mentored a little bit with John Maxwell. And John Maxwell asks everybody that he connects with if they're reading anything right now or if they've read anything recently that they would recommend. And I'm a voracious reader myself. I've already read 35 books this year. So I'm always looking to see what other people are reading. And then the other thing I ask people, and I think it's it's important because I do it from a sincere and humbling way, is there anybody else that you think that I should connect with based on our show or based on what mm-hmm. I'm trying to do and build? And the reason I say that one is, is I ask it humbly where I don't say to you, hey, Jesse, you know, if you don't mind, just open up your cell phone and uh, you know, go through and give me 20 people. But what I've found is when you ask that and after you connect with somebody, people then say, you know what, Chris, you got to connect with this guy. And you know what? You definitely have to connect with that guy. And I had Hal Elrod on my show, who mm-hmm. I obviously I know you, you know, and he connected me to John Roman because I asked Hal at the end of the show when we went offline. I said, based on being a guest on my show, is there anybody you think? And he said, you definitely need to connect with John Roman. And he said, I'll make a connection. So I think when you do it honestly and you really mean it, people realize it and they want to help you back. So it's almost, again, it's putting out the good stuff, putting out the good vibes and karma comes back and typically takes care of it. It might not be directly to you. It might be to a kid or to your yeah. spouse or to a friend or family. But I believe when you do it genuinely and for the right reasons, it comes back to you tenfold. Mm. And the key there that you didn't ba- share was that you have to build the connection with someone first before you ask them, is there anyone else I should connect with? I think people ask before actually building the connection. And Hal probably had an amazing time on your show and was like, hey, this would be great for John. It wasn't you just reaching out to Hal without building some relationship first. No, I, I think that's that's so important that you touch on that because it's all about the relationship first. And I think, unfortunately, people do the opposite. And I was definitely early on in my career guilty of, of the opposite where I would ask, ask, ask. But it wasn't because I just wanted. It was because I didn't understand at the time the value of connecting with the relationships. Because if you and I connect... And, and we have a vibe going, I'm going to want to help you down the road. And I'm not going to want to say, here, Jesse, here's one person. I'm going to continually think about you and your show and what you're doing and saying, hey, you know what? I'd love to connect you to this person. And that's the difference of an average or a K relationship versus a real quality relationship where you're thinking about people saying, you know what? 
I got I to gotta call Jesse because I think this guest would be awesome for a show. Yeah, I love it. And that's how we got connected with Jeffrey Shaw. Same thing. So as you know, if you listen to my show, I am obsessed with, with service. The name of our company is Fans First Entertainment. We try to do everything about customer service. So this segment, now that's what I call service. I'd love to know one of the best service experiences that you've had that stood out for you. You know, I'm actually going to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweak it a little bit and just tell you that I want to share a story of just one of the worst services I had the last <laughs> week. And, and the reason being is similar to you. I'm all about the service. But I, I sat down at a restaurant and I'm not going to say the name because uh, but it was five or six minutes before someone came over and then they gave me the menu and then they were walking. There's so many waiters and bus boys. And it wasn't till about 15 minutes. And I had a book and I was actually doing some work. But it was about 15 minutes until somebody came over. And I was just baffled that it took somebody 15 minutes and I didn't get water. I didn't get bread. I didn't get anything. And, and I was enamored with my book and I wasn't fully paying attention, but I looked, I looked down on it. And the reason I share that story is because in my business, we have, we have employees, we have staff, and I do a lot of work with different companies. The reason I share that this story is because it is so simple and easy and it does not cost money to be a good service person. So for example, to greet somebody with a smile, say, hello, how are you doing? And to ask them, would you like water? Would you like, to? and, and I just enamored by the companies that I work with. And when I go into offices and people greet you nicely and they do it for the right reasons. And, and the reason I share that is it doesn't cost money. Yeah. It doesn't take somebody five hours to go out of the way, but it's, it's those little things that make the difference of a, an average or a poor experience versus the best. And I think we've all read books and heard things about raving fans and raving mm -hmm. customers and, Raving customers, raving fans, they are your best advertiser because somebody's going to ask them, hey, where should we go to dinner? Or we're looking for a company to get a speak. You know what? You got to try this restaurant or you got to go to that. So I tell people all the time is you only get one chance to make a first impression. And it's important to make the right one. Mm. And then also the last impression makes a lasting impression. And restaurants get the first impression and last impression wrong most of the time. And, you know, we actually we have a, a young woman named Kiki who her title is Director of First Impressions. And she's right in the front. And if your title is Director of First Impressions and you don't get out of your seat and, high, and shake hands or high five the kid or hug people and welcome them when they come in, you're not living up to your title. And she has embodied it because that first impression matters so much. Why doesn't every staff company have a Director of First Impressions? Because I'll tell you, it makes a difference. That's, if you have not coined that or trademarked that, you should definitely think about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah, we're just focused on ourselves, but yeah, we'll, we'll look into that. All right, final few segments here, Chris. We're having a lot of fun here. Finally, tool time. Uh? What's the most important tool you have in your business toolbox? You've mentioned the two-page accountable uh, accountability sheet. What else do you have? You know, I'm going to go something kind of kind of old school and maybe a little bit goofy, but I tell people all the time. The most important tool I have is my cell phone. And, and the reason I say that is I have everybody's name and number in there that's within my circle and my extended circle. And I believe that if a client or a potential client, family, friend needs something, that there is somebody that's in my phone that I can connect them to and make a difference. Mm. You know, I love that how you shifted that because most people right now, they're talking about the negativity of the cell phone and how it's causing problems or people are focused on it. And I see it, but you actually turned it into a positive. And I thank you for that because, you know, this technology is amazing what it's been it made us be able to do, the productivity. So thank you because I think most people say it's, it's, the, it's the biggest problem right now we have in kids and millennials is the cell phone. 
So I appreciate. You know, it. I just want to. No, I want to interject for one yeah. second if I can. Zig Ziglar, who I had the fortune of talking to a few times and connecting, exchanging letters before he passed, and his son Tom, who was amazing, was on my show. Zig said something many years ago. He said, "You know, it's like people that complain about the pornography on their VCR." Um, and the reason I say that is with cell phones and things, they don't come loaded with everything. Now, today's day and age, they do come with a lot of things, but they don't come loaded with your Twitter account and your Instagram and your Facebook already loaded with your passwords and things. And what I tell people is, is if you become distracted and like you said with the negative and, and it's not helping you, and I tell people all the time is, is delete it, delete something. And one of the things I do probably 10 to 15 times every single day is I put my phone on airplane mode so many times. And the reason being is I want to be 100% engaged where I am. And it's not all day and it's not all the time. But before we went live with our conversation, I took my phone, I put it on airplane mode. It's still on airplane mode now. And everybody knows my schedule. And if there's an emergency, somebody would come into my office. But my focus is you can control certain things in life. And one of the things I talk about is people go into that mode immediately when they wake up and they turn their cell phone on and they start checking things and you go from being in a positive mindset to a reactive mode all day long. Mm, you're right. You're right. I love that. And we actually, I actually have no notifications on my phone. So when I'm getting text messages or uh, emails, I don't have those notifications. And I just think those constant buzz, everyone has it. I know people are listening right now. When they think they get a buzz on their phone and nothing happened, like they're, 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 they're thinking it happened because they get so many. <laughs> it's happened to everybody. I, I Fortunately, that disease has gone away from me because I don't have notifications. I don't have those weird ghost notification buzzes that are going off in my leg anymore, which is, which is a good wow. accomplishment. That's uh, awesome. All right. Final two fun segments here. We got favorites and then the final four. So we're going to bang through some favorites here. And I know you asked some of these questions, so a little carry over here. But favorite part of your morning routine? Definitely my workout. I get to crush it. I get my endorphins going and... I try to make it one of my toughest parts of the day, so the rest of it seems seems easier. Love it. Favorite way to unwind at the end of the day? It's to read a good book and just chill and, and not play with electronics. I love it. All right. A favorite book that stands out for you? You know, one of my favorite books is The 10X Rule by Grant Cardone, yeah. and, and the reason is it's something I talk about all the time is people set goals and objectives, and when they don't hit them or they're not on target, what they typically do is they lower their expectations. And what Grant talks about is something that literally hit me the first time I read it is he says, what you need to do is the opposite. You need to take 10 times the level of accountability in the sense of 10 times the action, make 10 times a phone call, make 10 times. So I just love the 10X rule because I think it applies to not only business, but life in general. Love it. All right. Other than the, the great restaurant you went to recently, a favorite restaurant that stands out for you? Favorite restaurant that stands out? Ah, oh, it's a tough question. I'm going to say I'm in Greenwich, Connecticut. I'm going to say Citarella, and I'm not sure if they have them all over the place, but there's one literally right across the street from me, and the service there is is second to none. Everybody smiles. Everybody helps you, and there's so many people that get it, and it's it's the whole first experience and last experience, and you know, I just I continually go in there for A, it's got good food, but B, the atmosphere and the vibe. And I think the culture of the company is just great. Well, my, my parents are from Old Sabre, Connecticut, so I actually was in Fairfield, too, for a while, so I'm not too far from Greenwich. Uh, what's the name of the restaurant again? Uh, Citarella. Citarella. Okay, beautiful. All right. Now, a favorite magic moment, a moment that stands out in your life you will never forget. You know, I'm going to share this and it's going to, it starts off a little bit uh, maybe selfish, but you'll see at the end. So uh, about four weeks ago, I had a meeting and I went to a local diner and I just grabbed a quick bite because I had a busy day. And 
a gentleman was sitting across from me by himself. He's probably late 70s, early 80s, probably if I had to say early 80s. And you could tell he had been in the Navy. He had a Navy hat on and a Navy jacket. And I don't know what it was, but when I was getting up to walk over to the counter to pay my bill, I just went over to him. I looked at him. I put my hand out and I said, sir, I just wanted to thank you for your service. And I don't know why I did it. I did it. Um, and he looked up at me and he had a tear in his eye and he said, thank you, son. Thank you very much. And he shook my hand and put his other hand uh, on the outside of my hand. And I could tell that I made an impact, had an impact. Then I went up to to pay my bill and I asked the gentleman behind the counter. And I've been to this restaurant many times or this diner. And I said, you know, tell me what that gentleman's bill is. I'd like to pay it. And he said, no problem. He told me and I left a five dollar tip. And the only thing I said to the guy was I to the behind the counter. I said, please don't tell this gentleman who did it. Just tell him that it's taken care of. And the reason I say selfish is, is that part of the story kind of makes me feel uh, sound good and, and all that stuff. But I have to tell you, Jesse, I left that restaurant, uh, that diner, and I didn't walk to my car. I, I floated to my car, hmm. and it was one of those things where I just felt amazing. And since then, I talk about on my show quite often is, is paying it forward with zero expectations in return. And the reason I felt so good is I have not seen that gentleman since, and I've been to there that place five or six times. He doesn't know who I am, probably wouldn't remember me, but he went to the counter to pay his bill that day. And before that, somebody thanked him for his service and the gentleman said, it's on me. And I share that story because it's something I talk about almost at the end of every episode is every day we have an opportunity to help others. And it could be just little things like holding the door open or buying somebody a cup of coffee. But if you do things for the right reasons, it comes back tenfold. And like I said, it sounded selfish the way I started that story. But I felt so much better than he did for the rest of that day and days after. Mm. When you give the gift of gratitude, the gift is often for yourself. And uh, I've realized that a lot with thank you letters. I mean, the amazing feelings that you have when you're making someone else feel great. You know, it's not what you say. It's not what you do. It's how you make people feel. Love that. Thank you for sharing. That would have been a great way to finish. But I'm not going to let you get away without doing the final four. All right. (laughs) Awesome. All right. So number one here, what have you done to stand out in business and in life? You know, business in life is I try to deliver first. I know it sounds silly and funny, but I always try to deliver first. And my father and I work together in our financial company, and we always try to make a quality referral first before we receive one. Love it. If you were to give additional advice to someone to stand out in business and life, what would you tell them? Tell them to be unique and find their own way mm. to connect with people in their genuine way, meaning don't just follow the norm, do something a little bit different but do it genuinely for yourself as well as the other person. I love that. You know, I've had over 50 guests and I'm the guy in the yellow tuxedo, but no one has said be unique. And I believe that more than be different, stand out, be the best version of yourself. So thank you for sharing that. Final two, best advice you've ever received. Best advice I've ever received is just keep your eye on the prize and keep going. And when you feel like giving up, don't. Perfect. That stays true to the brand right there. I love it. And finally, how do you want to be remembered? Great question, and I, I've answered this in some way or shape a million times. Is I want to be remembered as the individual or the company that helped people and motivated and inspired them that life is challenging. And I tell people all the time, it's not a question of if you're going to get knocked down. The question is how many times you're going to get knocked down. And when you get up, do you keep going and do you try to help others? And that's the big thing is I just want to motivate and inspire other people to never give up on themselves, their dreams, or their goals. And I want to be the company where people say, you know what, I always I always knew that I could turn on their podcast or check out their videos or see their speaking and they always inspired me to keep going. Even if I felt like this is my last day and I was throwing the towel 
they motivated me to keep going. Wow. You've certainly done that today. Inspiring people to keep going. The no quit living lifestyle. You are living it. You're teaching it. And you're embodying it in everything you do. Chris, thanks so much for being on Business Done Differently. How can people find out more about you? Awesome. I appreciate it. And thank you uh, for the opportunity. Uh, my podcast, No Quit Living, you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or our website, noquitliving.com. And we also have a pretty big presence on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, just on the handle, No Quit Living. And it is the real deal. I am a fan. I'm subscribed. So thank you so much, Chris. Really appreciate having you on. I appreciate it. Thank you again. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Business Done Differently. Our goal is simple, to inspire you to think different, have fun, and stand out in business and in life. For more ways you can stand out in your business, visit findyouryellowtux.com and you can get the Yellow Tux Handbook for free with the six steps to stand out directly from the Find Your Yellow Tux book. Finally, a big shout out to Podcast Pilot for producing the show and making all the magic happen. For questions, ideas, and feedback, I'd love to hear from you. So shoot a note to jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.